Give a warm welcome to Teen Challenge, everybody. We're glad they're here, and uh, we, we missed out on them last year, but um, that was all my fault. But they're here this year, and we're glad to have you guys here. And so if you want to come up, and she's going to uh, take us through some things, and they're going to sing and share testimony and, uh, and help us out here, try to figure out what life's all about, right? Right. Good morning. Um, it's an honor for us to be here today, so thank you for having us. We, um, we are just so excited to share with you what uh, Teen Challenge Rhode Island is doing. My name is Katie. I'm currently an apprentice um, in the program. I uh, recently completed the restoration portion of the program, so it's just an honor for us to be here today. So thank you so much. Is there anyone here who doesn't know about Teen Challenge or hasn't heard of us before, or you've heard of us but don't really know what we're about? We, uh, we're a 15-month program. We're faith-based and we're uh, residential. We believe um, through the power of the Holy Spirit and through a relationship with Jesus Christ that we can overcome any life-controlling issue, drugs, alcohol, um, depression, anything like that. And um, that is our main goal at uh, Teen Challenge. We, uh, we're a structured program. We have a, a schedule that we follow um, during the week. The ladies spend most of their day in the learning center where, um, where they find out the underlining issues of why they even turn to drugs in the first place. Because we know it's, it's not a drug problem. It's a, it's a sin problem and it's a heart problem. So we find, we find out why we did it, and we find freedom through relationship with Jesus Christ. They, um, they do Bible memorization and various projects while they're in there. We also have people come in, and we have chapel four, uh, four times a week. And uh, we go out on the choirs. We do fundraising, DAT, things like that. So we're very busy. Um, we are excited. We have just... Um, started implementing life coaching um, here at our campus. And once the ladies get into their fifth phase, so this is about uh, 12 months into the program, they are eligible to um, meet with a life coach where um, they map out and they carry out um, some goals for the future. We want to set them up for success before they leave our program. And also we have an option if they'd like to stay and do um, a six-month uh, apprenticeship while they're here where they can stay and give back um, and uh, just use the tools that they've learned here to serve, um, which is what I'm currently doing. We, uh, because we are faith-based, we uh, don't get any government assisting, um, so there's some ways that you can uh, get involved. We brought our jewelry here with us today. All the jewelry is handmade by the ladies in the program. Um, the ones on the screen are my favorite. They're called the ID bracelets. Um, we have those with us today. Another way uh, to help us out would be through purchasing our coffee. It's called Coffee for Change. Um, how many people are coffee drinkers here? Coffee lovers, yeah. Um, <laughs> we have four different types. We have a ground, a bean, a K-cup, and um, a dark roast, which is my favorite. Um, they're uh, organic and um, fair trade, and they're $10 each, so we brought a bunch with us today. Um, another way is through our Changed Lives books. We are excited. Uh, we just released um, a little while ago Volume 3. Now, these books are an amazing testimony. If you know someone who is either struggling with addiction or in a bondage to any life-controlling issue, it's an amazing tool. You can, um, you can purchase a book and give it to them. You know, sometimes the conversation is hard, you know, to start that conversation. But these are real-life stories that they can read, and they can see that if, um, if God can help these people, that they would be able to help them. Our books are $15 each, uh, two for $25, or three for $30. Um, we are currently doing reserva re renovations to our, um, our home. It's a beautiful uh, Victorian-style home. 
we completed the first floor, which is where all the offices and our chapel, um, our living room um, is right now. And now we're going to the second floor where it needs a little bit of work. We, um, so if you're good with your hands, if you want to give back and serve, if you know of somebody, uh, come see us after the service. We can get your information and give it to our maintenance coordinator, Kelly. Uh, we want to, as the ladies are going through the program and, and getting changed from the inside out, we want our home to, to reveal that as well. Um, also, uh, we have our fashion show coming up. It's one of our bigger events of the year. It's our annual fashion show. It is April 23rd. It's at the Venus de Milo in Swansea. Um, what a fun night it is. Time of fellowship. Uh, the girls give testimonies and sing, and you also get to see a fashion show that the, the ladies are in. And uh, so it's just, just a fun night for you to come out. And uh, the tickets are $50 each or $500 for a table. So you can see us afterwards. Um, also, when you came in, you should have been handed a prayer card. Did anyone not get one? Does anybody need one? These are very important to us. We, uh, we have so many people praying for us and for our ministry and, and what we do, but we want to take the time and pray for you because we believe that the power of prayer um, is so important and so powerful that we, uh, we get together um, every Monday and we pray specifically for your prayer needs. So um, if you would just fill these out for us, um, I'm gonna invite the ladies to come up. We're gonna do a, a, a short prayer right now for you as a congregation as you um, have some time to fill out your prayer cards. All right, if, um, if you still needed more time to fill them out, we can collect them after uh, the service, and uh, so we'll have a time for that later. So I just want to introduce the Teen Challenge Rhode Island Choir, and I hope you are all blessed by their song and testimony. Good morning. Um, my name's Abby, I'm 26 years old. Um, I've been in the program for 10 months. I grew up in a small town in Maine. I had a family who was loving and gave me everything that I ever wanted or needed. Um, at a young age, I lost my grandfather to a tragic accident. Um, that left me broken and, and lost. I felt like I lost a piece of myself. Um, and around the same time, I realized that my dad was an alcoholic, so with that, I had a lot of abandonment and trust issues. And although my mom um, was overcompensating for everything and she was always there, I felt broken, alone, and lost. Um, so around then, I started drinking and smoking pot. Um, and that quickly led to um, doing other drugs. I got my first OUI at the age of 16. Um, a lot of my friends' parents didn't want them to have anything to do with me anymore, so that just sent me into a larger spiral. And um, it progressed to doing crack and heroin. Um, I was getting arrested often. I was overdosing frequently. Um, I was doing anything and everything that I possibly could to get drugs or money to do them. Um, I was hurting everyone and destroying everything around me. Um, I felt worthless and uh, I just, I felt like life had no meaning. Um, and one day my brother came searching for me and um, he dragged me forcefully to his vehicle because he found me and he, he broke down and explained to me everything that I was doing to him and my family. Um, and he ended up bringing me to my parents' house where I went to my dad's gun cabinet because I didn't want to do it anymore. Um, so I took one of my dad's guns and I was going to just end it all. And thankfully, um, my parents found me and called the cops and I got escorted to the hospital by two state troopers. Um, I know that the Lord was fighting for me and that everything was 
summoned by him. Um, prior to that, um, Teen Challenge, the mains campus, um, went to my mom's school that she works at and did an end addiction campaign. And they also went to my grandmother's church. So I know that the Lord was transpiring all of the events that took place in my life. Um, and I ended up in Teen Challenge a week later um, from the hospital. And um, he's restoring all of my relationships with my family. Um, he's re restoring all of the desires and passions that I had. Um, I feel like he's put on my heart the desire to go to law school when I finish the program. I'm not sure for what, but I know that I do want to help other people that are going through the same things that I've gone through. Um, he's shown me like what true love is. I know how to love other people in a different way, and he's put people in my life that have helped me and have shown me encouragement and support, and I'm just so grateful for my life and every single woman that is here with me because I've learned so much from them. And um, I'm just so excited to see what the future has in store. Like I actually want to live life and I get to choose that every single day. And the, the um, scripture I stand on is Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you, you only need to say, be still.
morning. My name's Danielle. I'm 37 years old, and I've been in the program for a little over 15 months now. My whole life, all I ever really wanted was unconditional love and acceptance, and unfortunately, I never really found that at home. My parents divorced by the time I was nine, and by the age of 16, my mom threw me out of our home. For three years, I was homeless and hurting and living a criminal lifestyle, doing whatever I had to do to basically survive. Um, at 19, I entered my first drug rehab, and over the next few, few years, managed to get um, clean time on and off, going to meetings and um, willpower, I guess. Um, at the age of 25, I met a man, and I had my daughter, and that relationship quickly became abusive. It took me years to get out of it, and when I did, I again managed to get some clean time. I met my husband, and we had my son. And by the age, by the time my son was a year old, we relapsed together. And um, over the next two years, we lost everything. We lost our marriage, we lost our home. And um, what seemed like a moment's time, I went from being a stay-at-home mom to <clears throat> homeless and hurting and uh, living on the streets without my children. Um, again, I lived a criminal lifestyle. I did whatever I had to do to not feel the pain of not having my kids with me. And one night when I was walking the streets, some men tried to get me into their car and I knew that I was gonna die. And I didn't want my kids to find out that I had died like that. I never knew God, but I cried out to him that night that if he saved my life, I would do whatever I had to do to be a good person to be the mom that he always intended for me to be. And a few minutes later, I came to a church and the door was unlocked and it was warm inside and I felt safe and I slept there for a few hours. And the next morning I entered the hospital and 33 days later I entered Teen Challenge. It was the best thing that I ever did in my whole life. I'm, I'm more of a mom five hours a week than I have been my kids' whole lives. I see my son every week, and um, I haven't seen or talked to my daughter since I've been here. Um, but I love her more today because I know the love of God. And I, have, I know that God has a plan for it. Um, I know that I'm going to be with her again, and... Um, and it's all in his timing, and I'm okay with that. Um, I'm almost done with the program. I'm gonna stay for the internship. And uh, I finally found that unconditional love and acceptance that I was always looking for. I found it in Jesus and all the women in the home, the other students and the staff. And um, I'm a good person today. People love me. People trust me. <laughs> um, there's nothing in me that was the woman that came into this house 15 months ago. And because of that, the verse that I stand on is 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, whoever belongs to Christ is a new creation. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. Very short. Hi, I'm Nikki, I'm 34 years old, and I've been in the program almost, almost seven months now. Um, growing up, I, didn't, I realized that life really wasn't much fun unless there was alcohol involved. Some of my best memories of my childhood, um, such as my family and I being at the beach at two o'clock in the morning was because my mom was drunk. Um, there's a lot of instability, and before the age of eight, I had three different last names. My mom eventually met and married a man, and I was adopted, and life began to smooth out after that. However, I always felt really lost. I um, started striving for things because when I was doing the right thing, a lot of love was showered in my house. Um, so I have three college degrees before the age of 20. I had children. I've been in the military. I did everything that I possibly could to try and find that happiness and that nothing really, really helped unless I was drinking. When I was drinking, I, I liked myself, 
I liked my family, I liked my friends, I liked my job. And then eventually one day I just, I, I wasn't, I wasn't liking myself. I wasn't liking my family. I wasn't liking my job. And because of that, um, on August 16th, I took a handful of sleeping pills, said a quick apology to God and tried to end my life. Um, that didn't happen, obviously. I woke up in the hospital mad with my mom sitting next to me and she said to me, what would I have told your daughter? She's already lost everything. And she wasn't kidding, she has. Um, four years ago, my daughter was murdered, my other daughter. Her father is sitting in jail right now. Um, my fiance, who I was going to marry, died two years ago on our bathroom floor, ODing in front of her. And her brother lives with his dad. So all she has left is me. And I was so consumed with my own self and my own pain that that didn't matter. Um, I couldn't love them because I didn't love me. And my mom asked me if I was ready. And no, of course I wasn't ready, but here I am. And I came to Teen Challenge on August 22nd. And since then, I am one of the most grateful people you'll ever meet in your entire life. I, <laughs> I love my kids so much. A love that I didn't even know existed until I started realizing that I myself am loved. Even when I didn't love myself, God loved me. And God kept me. And because of that in November, I got to watch my daughter turn five. I have a son who's now 15, and they're just, they're just so amazing, so amazing. I am lucky to be their mom, but they make me feel lucky because they love me so much. <laughs> um, he's restored my family to me. My dad, I went home about a month ago, and my dad gave me one of the biggest hugs I probably had in my whole life. He told me he was so happy to hug me. And I was so happy to be hugged by him, something that I had taken for granted for so long. I'm just, I have this joy and this peace that's just indescribable. Like, I, I didn't even know it existed. I get to go home in a week and I'll have a slumber party, my daughter calls it. And we'll get to hang out and I'll get to hold her, sniff her head when she sleeps. <laughs> <laughs> As all the girls have said, this is honestly the hardest but best decision that I've ever made in my whole life. And I, I have God, and I have happiness, and I have joy, and I have peace, and I am grateful, and I am blessed. And because of that, the verse that I stand on is Psalm 34, 18. The, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and will save those that are crushed in spirit. Thank you. So as you can see, God is <laughs> definitely in the business of changing lives. There, there's no words but God and, um, and what he can do in, in our lives. And um, a lot of times when our ladies get to us, um, they've burnt bridges. Um, Usually we're a last stop resort. Uh, usually they've tried other secular programs, 30 day, 60 day, 90 day programs and nothing helped. And um, by this time there's not only no hope for them, but there's no hope for their family either. And uh, so this is where your partnership um, is needed because I know and you know that there's hope. There's always hope, there's hope over addiction. His name is Jesus. So I just want to talk um, just a few minutes on our sponsorship program. It's called Dollar a Day, and that's exactly what it is. For $1 a day, that's $30 a month, uh, you could help sew into the lives um, of one of our girls. We, um, because, like I said earlier, you know, because we're faith-based, and that's just so crazy to me, because we're faith-based, we get no government um, funding. And uh, I... I am a life that has been changed because of the Teen Challenge program. Mm -hmm. I, um, I was homeless on the streets with a heroin and a crack addiction. I, um, my whole life I, I dealt with depression and um, lots of uh, psych meds and I just always had this darkness over me. And if you had asked me uh, four or five years ago where I'd be today, I would have told you dead. 
I, um, I had no hope. Um, the person that I am today is only because God changed me. I, um, you know, I have hope today. I have joy today. I wake up every day wanting to be alive. And um, it's because of the Teen Challenge program where I met Jesus and even learned how to even have a relationship with him. Uh, through the sponsorship program, uh, you would help clothe and house our ladies. Um, and also very important part is um, the money it costs for them to go through the Christ-centered curriculum that they do while they're here. And uh, ultimately, you would just be helping us to evangelize, um, going out on choirs and, and the DATs that we do, and just spreading the message of hope, the end addiction campaign that we've started. And uh, this is an eternal investment. You're not only sowing into the lives of these ladies, but you're sowing into the lives of their children, their grandchildren, generations to come. That generational curse gets broken in Jesus' name. And uh, so if you would just prayerfully consider um, the sponsorship today, these are the, um, the packets. So if you have any questions, you can come see me or the girls at the table. Um, if you do decide to sign up for the sponsorship uh, in full, which is $360 for the year, as our gift to you, we'd like to give you um, two books and a coffee product. And also, if you'd like to sign up for the sponsorship and would like uh, the $30 a month to be debited out of um, your bank account, which is the easiest option, uh, we'd like to give you one of our books. So again, thank you so much. It's an honor to be here, to share with you. Uh, we're always so blessed when we go um, to different churches and meet you. And uh, Pastor Rich, I forgot to tell you earlier, we have this book for you. Um, oh, where are you? Oh, sorry. Uh, volume three for a gift for you today. So thank you so much. Uh, the ladies want to sing one more song for you. And if you could pass your prayer cards to the center aisle, um, I'll come and pick them up. So again, thank you.
Christ has become a new creation. The old life is gone, and behold, a new life has begun. That's all I can say. I won't go back. I can't go back to the way things used to be. That's incredible, huh? Hey, thank you, ladies. I just, uh, to see God changing people's lives, uh, that's, you know, isn't that what it's all about? Unless we think we don't need to be changed, and then we are in trouble, right? Can I have a little? I'm sorry. That's okay. Uh, a little bit of review. Uh, Old Testament, can you remember these numbers? Only two to remember, right? Five sections in the Old Testament. What, what are the numbers again? Well, that was pretty weak. <laughs> 5, 12, 5, 5, 12. Let's do it again. 5, 12, 5, 5, 12. See, now you got the whole Old Testament down right now. Just like that. Uh, so we have five law. 12 history, 5 poetry, 5 major prophets, and 12 minor prophets. Again, this is just a little foundation that we can build on because, you know, the Old Testament is not a closed book. The Old Testament is incredible. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. And God will use it in our lives and, and so for us to know. So the very first section, I just want to pull that up here. Uh, we call it the law or the five books of Moses is called as well. And Easy, most of us know what those are, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. But these five books kind of give us a foundation of where it's all going, where it all heads. Of course, Jesus is predicted, you know, throughout that. But we have Genesis, the book of beginnings. We have Exodus, which is like the Exodus from Egypt when the children of Israel went and left. Leviticus, the law itself, Numbers... The wandering in the wilderness. Any of you ever wander in the wilderness? And then Deuteronomy, which is, is kind of, a, really the word means second law. It's kind of got a bunch of things in there and, and talks about their history, but also repeats a lot of the law. Deuteronomos, second law. So these are the first uh, five books, and we're going to kind of, as we go, you know, as we learn these things, I think, again, we're, we just want to have this foundation. Like, what is it all about? What, is, what are those first five books about? We'll go back and read them. Now, the problem is, this is what happens. It's happened to probably every one of us. You start, I'm going to read the Bible. And then you start in Genesis, and you go, wow, this is really cool. And you read all these things, and Genesis is just cranking along. You get to Exodus, and it's pretty good, and, and then it starts to get a little heavy there, and then you get to Leviticus, and what do you do? <laughs> You're like, stop, right? You quit. Because it's, you know, it's too much. It's too, you know, it's like this law. Well, you know, it's okay. It's okay to kind of jump ahead. What's not okay is to just quit. Stop. Say, well, because I couldn't read Leviticus, I'm going to stop reading the Bible. That is ludicrous, right? Mm -hmm. Even if you just stayed in the New Testament, that's great too. But read the Bible. Get into the Word. You've got to get into the Bible. Today, uh, we, let's open our Bibles to the book of Micah, please. And that's uh, one of the minor prophets. We're going to look at chapter 2 quickly. We looked at chapter 1 last week. This little 
book of Micah. And, uh, you know, we say, well, what does that have to do with me? What does that have to do with anything? It has a lot to do with us. And, and, the, and the words that came through this prophet, the prophet who was somebody who spoke from God, and we, and we see this uh, in Second Chronicles, the Lord sent prophets. Why? To bring the people back to him. <coughs> to bring the people back to him. That's what these prophets, that's their whole mission in life, was to bring the people back to God. That's where we belong. That's why we sang that song, Home, Where We Belong, speaking about heaven. But our hearts need to be with him. He says, but they would not listen. And it's always a choice, isn't it? We always have a choice to listen. I like Micah 6, 8, the, the big point. He has showed you, O oh man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. That's the big point for you and I out of the book of Micah. The big hope, of course, found in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, about the Savior from Bethlehem. Now, Micah, he spoke the word of the Lord, didn't he? And would they listen? That's always the question. Would they listen? The question for you and I, will we listen? For our sins and our idolatry, it, we turn away from him. It causes us to turn away from him. The question is, will we turn back? You know, people sometimes are afraid of this word repentance. They think it's like a bad word or something. Repentance is a very simple word. It means changing direction. It means changing from the direction you're going to, to changing into a different direction. And I think it's a beautiful word, honestly, because it means changing direction to turn back to him, to face him. So repentance is an incredible word. And, and because we all wander, we all get our, you know, focus off. We all get, and we need to repent. We need to change direction. Sometimes it's a very small correction, right? But, you know, being off just a little bit, if you're, if you're out on a boat, Mark can tell us, if you're out on the boat and you're, you're off by one degree, give it time. And you're going to be way off course, so we need to make corrections, hopefully when it's just a, a minor correction, one degree. But sometimes, it, you know, it's like so far we got, we got to change by, you know, 180 degrees, right? That's when we're going completely away from God, and we got to turn back 180 degrees sometimes. Micah, this prophet, and again, his ministry is to get people to turn back to God. He wept over these people. He prayed for a long time. But fortunately, in his case, Hezekiah the king listened. And it says in Jeremiah that the Lord relented and, and judgment was averted because of the ministry of this prophet Micah. Now, Micah chapter 2, I think this is kind of what I see here in this chapter. And, and this idea of, you know, tell us what we want to hear. Tell us what we want to hear. Now, none of us like bad news, right? Do you like bad news? No, you would just like, and we all like someone, just to tell me something that I want to hear. But if it's not true, there's a problem, right? There's a problem with that. The Bible talks in, in uh, Timothy, you know, where the people, they, they, they had this idea, they, they, they didn't want to hear the truth. They just wanted to hear something that would what? Tickle their ears and make them feel good and make, you know, kind of scratch that itch and, and, and kind of even the, the philosophy of the world and the things that they hear around them. But let's just tell me everything that I want to hear. And that, in one sense, is human nature. We all like that. We want someone to tell us good stuff, to tell you how good you look. No. <laughs> you know, the truth is, the truth is what will set us free, right? Mm -hmm. The truth will set us free. And it doesn't mean we don't encourage anybody. I'm reading about Hezekiah in uh, 2 Chronicles and it says he encouraged the, the people that were leading the singing, the Levites. He encouraged them because they, they were serving. They were doing well. But Micah speaks the truth, and he continues his warning. Look at Micah chapter 2, verse 1. What does it say there? He says, Woe to those who plan iniquity, to those who plot evil on their beds. 
At morning's light, they carry it out because it is in their power to do it. He says they're, they're actually planning it ahead of time. <laughs> planning it ahead of time. Now, sometimes we think about sin and iniquity, we kind of, I fell into it, right? And maybe that's true sometimes. All of a sudden you're going along and there's this cliff and you just fall off. But you know what? Usually it's not like that, is it? Usually we're thinking about it ahead of time. We're actually planning to go off that cliff. Say, not me. No, yes, you. Me. All of us. It's this thing that is going on up here. It starts up here before it ever gets down to the actual activity, doesn't it? That's why we need our minds renewed. So, so he's saying here that they're planning iniquity, even on their beds, they're thinking, oh, what am I going to do when I wake up? They, they wake up in the morning because it is in their power to do it. Why do we do these things? Because we can, right? Because we can. God, we're not, we're not robots. God's not going to physically grab you and stop you from going down a bad path, a bad direction. Is he? No, he's given us free will. Look at verse 2. It says, They covet fields and they seize them and houses and take them. They defraud a man of his home, a fellow man of his inheritance. Again, Micah is speaking to the problems of his day, but Micah is also speaking to the problems of our day. The word of God is for then, but the word of God is for now as well. And what, what we have here really is covetousness, right? Is that a problem in our society? It's like huge. You know, basically our whole society is built on covetousness. I want all of the commercials you need. So therefore, we're going to make you want and then you're going to do whatever you need to do to get right. They covet. Then they seize and they take and they defraud. This, this materialistic society that we live in, and, and I'm not saying that our society is all bad, but we need to be careful, don't we? What did the 10th commandment say? I'll put it up here for you. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. We think we need to have what the other guy has, right? Now, I don't have any oxen and donkeys. You probably don't either, either but, but it doesn't mean that we still want what other people have because the last part covers it all, right? Anything that belongs to your neighbor. I got to have that. That's the latest thing. And, and he has it and I want it. Others, lands, houses, homes, inheritances he talks about there. Something to be aware of. He says, watch out. Woe. Woe means stop, right? Get it? Some of you are slow on the uptake. Whoa! That's what you say to your horse or your donkey, right? Whoa! When we, when we see that we can't be content, you see there's something very essential about being content with what God has given us. Content with... We saw in Psalm 16 on the Wednesday night that, that God has laid out the, the boundary lines for us in pleasant places. Can we be content with what God has laid out, the boundary lines he's laid out for me? Can I be content with what I have, with what, you know, my life, what God has given me in my life? Or do I just, I'm going to keep striving and keep, keep forcing to get something different than what God has given to me? Paul said he learned the secret of being content. Therefore, verse 3, the Lord says, I am planning disaster against this people from which you cannot save yourselves. You'll no longer walk proudly for it will be a time of calamity. You see, what, what we see here is that, you know, we are going to reap what we sow. And if we're living like that, if we're living like the world, really, what's going to happen? Disasters, disaster is going to come to us. We will reap what we sow. It's a spiritual principle that, that, that God says he will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, he'll also reap. He says, I'm planning disaster against his people. We talked last week about the fact that, uh, you know, Israel, the, the northern kingdom, he was planning disaster against them. If they had turned, it didn't have to happen, but if they had turned, 
it would have been averted. The southern kingdom was averted for about 100 years or so, but the, the northern kingdom, they went into captivity. They were taken because they would not listen to what God had to say. Notice in, in verse 1 it says, Woe to those who plan iniquity. And then in verse 3 it says, God says, the Lord says, I am planning disaster. Well, let me ask you, we have man's plans, we have God's plans. Which one do you think is going to win? Which one is always going to win? God's plans. That's why we need to get on board with his plans. And, and instead of saying, God, these are my plans and I want you to bless me, I want you to jump on board with my plans. And what does he say? Were you not listening? There's something proud in, and that's what these people, it says they were walking proudly. It says, you know, that pride you're walking in is only going to last so long. And, and, and we know this scripture here in Proverbs 16, right? We kind of misquote it. We all do. Where we say pride goes before a fall. We all quote it that way, but we, we miss the middle part of it. Pride goes before destruction. And a haughty spirit before a fall. We kind of truncate it, make it shorter. Same, same, same. Look in verse 4, though. In that day, men will ridicule you. They will taunt you with this mournful song. We are utterly ruined. And my people's possession is divided up. He takes it from me. He assigns our fields to traitors. The things that they were going after were then taken from them. The things that were so important to them that they were going to do anything that they had to do to get were, were then taken from them, you see. We think we're really making out, but how's it going to end up? Verse 5, therefore, you will have no one in the assembly of the Lord to divide the land by lot. Verse 6, do not prophesy, their prophets say. Do not prophesy about these things. Disgrace will not overtake us. Should it be said, O house of Jacob, is the spirit of the Lord angry? Does he do such things? You see what he's saying? The prophets were saying, the prophets were saying to people like Micah, don't prophesy, don't say those things. Don't say those words. Don't tell us the truth. You can't preach like that. And the truth of the matter is, that's what we see in our society today. The, the, you know, people are saying you can't preach about those things. You can't preach about sin. You can't preach about, you know, alternative lifestyles. You can't talk about these things. The prophets are saying, of course, they're false prophets, but the prophets are saying we have people in the church the larger church saying these things. You can't say those things. You can't talk about those things. Interesting. What does it say there in verse 7? It said, is the spirit of the Lord angry? Does he do such things? In other words, God never gets angry. God never gets angry. You know, he doesn't do that. Have you ever heard anybody say that? God is love and he's just going to love and love and love and love. It's all love and love, 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 love. <laughs> But if you read the whole Bible, do you, do you ever see God getting angry? Why? Because he's holy, because he's just, because he is righteous, and we are not. Bottom line. That's why we need to read the Bible. That's why we need to study the Bible to find out more about him so we can get to know him better. And we're not going to fall, fall for it when someone comes along and says, you can't say that about God. Love wins. Everybody gets saved. False. It's not what the Bible says. You know who wins? Those who humble themselves before the Almighty God, who turn back to Him. Not those who go their own way and say, I'm going to get there and, and walk proudly. In Isaiah, it was the same kind of thing happening. He says, they say to the seers, see no more visions. And to the prophets, give us no more visions of what is right. Tell us pleasant things. Prophesy illusions. Leave this way. Get off this path and stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. Tell us pleasant things. 
tell us pleasant stories. <laughs> Always speak in this kind of a voice. And tell, uh, tell us things that are going to make us feel very positive and encouraging. <laughs> Isaiah said, no, I don't think so. We need to speak God's truth, Amen. whatever it says, whatever it is. God steps in here in this chapter 2 of, of, uh, of Micah. What does he say? Look at the second half of verse 7. His response is this. Do not my words do good to the him whose ways are upright? Amen. What do we have to worry about if, we're, if we've turned to him or we're following after him? doesn't mean we're perfect. But if we're heading towards him, isn't his word going to take care of us? We're going the other direction. We need to be fearful. We need to watch out. We need to be afraid. Verse 8 through 10 says we're acting like an enemy. Lately, my people have risen up like an enemy. Verse 11, he says, if a liar and deceiver comes and says, I will prophesy for you plenty of wine and beer, hard drink, he would be just the prophet for this people. Wow. That's kind of scary, isn't it? Notice it's a liar and a deceiver. It's not someone going to come and say, you know, hey, I got a lie for you. I want to deceive you a little bit. They come in and it's, it's veiled. And we heard stories today about these things that come and they take over people's lives. I know it well. I was there. My father was there, an alcoholic. I know, but I know that Jesus changes lives. And the false prophets come along and say, just a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and we'll get you through. We'll help you through. It's a lie. It's a lie. Amen. Amen. Yet, I love it here in the last part of chapter 2 of Micah, we see there's always hope for those who listen. Always hope for those who listen. Look at verse 12 and 13. It says, I will surely gather all of you, O Jacob. I will surely bring together the remnant of Israel. I will bring them together like sheep in a pen, like a flock in its pasture, and the place will throng with people. One who breaks open the way will go up before them. They will break through the gate and go out. Their king will pass through before them, the Lord at their head. That's awesome, isn't it? That is incredible. The Lord at their head. This is the way it should be. But notice he says the remnant. Someone said this, there will always be a remnant who remains faithful to God. The remnant is not all, it's not everyone. It's those who are faithful, those who turn. But he says that there's going to be one who's going to break open the way, the, the, break through the gate. It's going to go out ahead of us. That's the way it should be. Amen. With the Lord in front. The Lord in charge. It takes us humbling ourselves, though, right, to make him Lord. But is that what we want, or do we just want to hear pleasant things? Do we just want to hear stuff that is going to make us feel good, but lead us down a path that, that really goes to destruction, as we've seen here? What do we want to hear? Do we want to hear the truth? Tell us what we want to hear or tell us what we need to hear. I think that's the question, isn't it? What do we need to hear? I want to read a quote for you before we close here from a guy named Larry Richards, uh, who's a Bible teacher. He said this, that they wanted someone who would just tell them what they wanted to hear, not what God wanted to say. <clears throat> He said, often God doesn't have comforting words to say. Often he confronts. Often he demands. Often he forces us to look at our lives and to look at our society with unclouded eyes. We don't want to hear that sinful societies cry out for judgment. And we don't want to face the injustice, the crime, the moral corruption that mark our own nation today. And yet God says to us through Micah, do not my words do good to him whose ways are upright? If we are committed to God and to his ways, won't his words do us good? Mm -hmm. 
He, say, he says later on, but if you and I do take God's uncomfortable words to heart and act on them, those words will surely do us good and do good to our nation. Even the things we don't want to hear, we've got to listen. We've got to listen. Part of listening is listening to what God wants to say in our lives. Are we swallowed up by the society that we're in? Jesus said, you know, we'd be in the world, but not of the world. Can they tell? Is there enough evidence to convict us of being believers in this world today? That's a kind of a convicting thought, isn't it? Or do we just kind of flow along with everybody else? We need to hear his word. We need to act on it. It starts with me, though, doesn't it? It starts with each one of us. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, Lord, that, that reaches in, that, that slices and dices the very deepest things of our hearts. That tells us when we're beginning to go off track, that tells us we need to, we need to get right. We need to do it his way, not our way, not my will, but yours be done. Father, uh, you know what our lives are like. You know, you know how sometimes we're discontented. But Lord, you have set the boundary lines for us in pleasant places. And, and you know what's best for each one of us. May we learn that contentment that Paul spoke about. And not be striving after the things that we think we need. Lord, we want to hear the truth. Sometimes the truth hurts. But the truth, as your word said, as Jesus said, will set us free. Speak your truth into our lives, Lord. Even as we read your word, convict us. But heal us as well. Your word says you, you'll convict us and you'll, you'll work, but you'll also heal. Father, I pray again this morning for any who, who, who don't know Jesus as Savior and, and you have no hope of Jesus being the light of the world. If that's you this morning, you can open your heart today. You can simply open your life and say, Jesus, please, I am in darkness. I am lost. Please come into my life. Change me like you've changed these gals that are here today, like you've changed the people that are in this room like you are changing each one of us each and every day. So I ask you to be my Savior. Jesus, be my Savior. Be my Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Let's stand and sing one more song, shall we?